I'm Misha Adams. And I'm Kevin Abbott. And welcome to Career Compass, the podcast from the Society for Human Resource Management, where we provide you with the guidance on getting that first job and what to do when you have. We're doing that by bringing you conversations we've recorded with HR professionals on a number of career-oriented topics that are applicable to every stage of your career journey. So get excited, because we're about to dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Career Compass, the podcast that helps point your career in the right direction. I'm Misha Adams. And I'm Kevin Abbott. And today we're going to be talking about the multi-generational workforce and what that means in the workplace. So Kevin... You're a bit newer to the workforce. You joined Sherm as an intern, now full-time. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about what that experience has been so far for you as it relates to navigating and dealing with, um, you know, different people and... Misha, I think you're trying to dance around the fact that I'm 23 years old. Well, not dancing around it. You just said it. So, <laughs> yes. So, how does that shape your experience uh, so far? Well, it's interesting. Being right out of college and coming into a workforce, it is different from going to school with people for the majority that are in your age range or at sure. least uh, like four years apart. So, coming in and working with people from multi-generations, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit different. I mean, people have their different style of how they work. People have... A different perception of how the workplace should be maintained. And I think I, I've learned a lot from people of, I mean, all ages. Sure. What are some of the things you've learned? Just a good example. One of my supervisors, I had to ask him a question about uh, my 401k. I'm 23. I just thought a 401k was just a random organization of letters and numbers and really didn't mean anything. And he kind of pointed me in the right direction and kind of explained our benefits package and how to navigate using, like, or using a 401k. And then right after that, he uh, turned around and asked me uh, how to get his Bitmoji back in his uh, iMessage tab. So it was kind of that that give and take of we each had something valuable to attribute to uh, the other person. And I feel like that's like a, a small example of what the multi-generational workforce is about. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Misha? Do you have any stories about uh, working in a multi-generational workforce? Sure. A little bit earlier on in my experience in the workplace, I had recently just gotten promoted, was super excited about it, uh, and had the opportunity to take on some work from one of the directors who had been at the organization for a little over 30 years. So I was, of course, really excited about the work, excited about all the things I was going to do with it, and really just wanted to take it under my purview and, you know, show everybody, hey, you know, I've got this. And when I went with the director to train, that wasn't really the reception that I got from him. It was a little difficult at first, and, you know, I didn't really understand what was going on, but then I realized it was an opportunity for the two of us to build some trust moving forward. And so initially, I didn't really feel like he trusted me too much. He was a bit standoffish, would reschedule or cancel meetings. um, And I wasn't sure why. But then as we continued to talk, I realized that he had put in a lot of his own time outside of working hours to really make this project work, really grow it, and even conceptualized it himself and didn't want the person coming in doing part of this work to, you know, not have that context. And so I think he wanted to make sure that the project lived on and was healthy moving forward and didn't want somebody to just kind of come in and, 
you know, take it and, and take that for granted. So, you know, me taking that feedback at first I was a little, you know, at first I was a little hurt. I was like, oh, okay, well, this person doesn't want to work with me. But then I realized after having a couple conversations that it was imperative that I get the trust of this person and vice versa. And so we met several times. We found some common ground. And I think he also realized this person just wants to do a good job. She just wants to learn as much as possible about this so that she can take it forward. And at the end of it, when he was leaving the organization, he then retired. We left on really positive terms. He felt like the project was in good hands. I definitely took away a lot from his institutional knowledge. And we we had some fun exchanges in between where we had gotten to know a bit about each other and uh, you know, really just respected the work that we were doing. So definitely had some challenges at first, but it was it was a big lesson for me. And now you're going to hear us further explore the multi-generational workforce via a conversation we recorded with Kayla Dupre. Hello, everyone. Today we're here with Kayla Dupre. Kayla comes to us from the Bismarck, North Dakota. Welcome, Kayla. Today, she is going to talk about a very timely and important topic, the multi-generational workforce. So, Kayla, why don't you give us a little background about your current role, and then we'll get into today's topic of multi-generational workforces. Um, Well, thanks for having me. Currently, I am the head of HR for a company called Billfinger Westcon. It's an industrial construction company that was founded in uh, 1981 in North Dakota. So, it's a pretty homegrown location there in Bismarck because HR was not what I wanted to do (laughs) going to school growing up any of that and the backstory of that is my mom was in HR so I've been in HR pretty much my whole life I like to tell people um, and I was like no I'm not gonna become my mom but it's something that I would grew up with I know it's kind of in my bones and it just turned out to be a really great career fantastic thank you We're talking about multi-generational workforces. So what are some things you've learned from working with people from different generations? I know my team has folks from different generations. So does Misha's. I think most organizations today have employees across multiple generations. I mean, you're absolutely right. If you Google working with multi-generations in the workforce, you will get hundreds of page pages of articles and they'll say that there's anywhere from five to seven different types of generations in the workforce which is terribly daunting and scary for people coming in and I think the one thing that you have to remember is that people are people and no matter what you look through in the research that the different generations say the same things about each other there's always they're lazy or they're ambitious or they they're team workers it's a stereotype it's not who the individuals you're working with and who they are. And the one thing I've found with the different generations I work with is that people want to know what their role is, how their role plays into the company, and how they're an asset to the company. And if you can answer those questions, they'll work for you forever. So it's definitely about finding those commonalities among the groups. Absolutely. At the end of the day, we're all people, we're all at work, um, we want very similar things. Is, is is that kind of what I'm hearing? In my experience, yes. And 
I think every generation has a little bit different reason what drives them, but ultimately they want to work for a company that values them as a person and they know that they play a key role to that company. Right. And you hear a lot of times the term, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And kind of when you have, when generations have this stigma, I guess, of other generations, that it can kind of weaken that chain per se. It absolutely does. And every company I've ever worked for struggles with communication. And the biggest key is communication. If you have stigmas against each other and you're not taking the time to work with that individual person and find out what makes them tick, then you're never going to be a strong team. That's great insight and kind of leads me to my next question is you mentioned communication. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, navigating the workforce, say you're newer and I know I believe you are a people manager. So like, what are some of those conversations that kind of roll up into that whole communication strategy for sort of getting people to be open and have these really critical conversations across generations? Well, it's difficult because a good leader will always change their communication style to work with the different person. So we'll talk about like 16 personalities, Meyer Briggs, learning about the people that you're working with, because really it's about their personality. But it's scary to do one-on-ones, but you have to you have to take the time to know your team. Currently, I work on a team where literally every employee underneath me is older than I am, which is hard <laughs> because there are some that are fully willing to accept it. And then I had a couple that were like, who do you think you are <laughs> coming in here? And I think... For me, I live by a couple values. If you can define what your values are and that's the kind of leader you are, I always try to follow through on my word and what I say I'm going to do. And if people can, you can build that trust, those conversations become a lot easier. They want to know that not, doesn't matter your age, but do you have the knowledge to do the job? Are you someone they can trust? Can they follow you? And that takes a little bit of time to prove because you have to get into their communication style and and hit their values. If you've if you've been able to prove that under their values then then I think anyone will follow anyone. You know, one thing you mentioned that stood out to me was kind of some of the people you work with that maybe aren't as accepting since you may in fact be younger than they are and some people can take issue with that. Is there a, a specific time you think uh, that you've actually seen this or encountered this firsthand? And how did you overcome these obstacles? (laughs) I have one ongoing right now, and um, the individual still doesn't like me. (laughs) Um, I I do everything in my power to change communication style, talk to him as a peer. I haven't done the dictatorial thing because that's just not the way I am saying, do this, do this now. I tried to use the Y factor. So I know they call Generation Y or Millennials the why group because they always want to know the why behind it but I've actually found that every generation is like that if you can explain the why or the process to something people are more willing to accept the change that's been a little bit more effective with him but we have that situation has a few other things going on that affect it and that's why it's taking so long to deal with a more interesting situation as I had an employee who's actually only two years younger than I was and he saw my growth and thought that's where I should be. And so 
there were conversations on him taking on a higher role, giving the person clear guidelines and uh, set out a succession plan. These are the things that I'm looking for. These are the things I want you to achieve over the next year. Taking on new leadership opportunities and going to conferences, all written up, all done. And then really it wasn't followed through on. And when the performance wasn't there, it was a backlash on you're a terrible supervisor, you're a terrible boss. You have the two different sides of it, not trusting you because of your age or thinking they should be where you're at and the arrogance that comes with it. And so for me, I thought the situation where the guy that was two years younger than me wanting to be a director right away was like, whoa, you have to understand that HR is very much a industry or a uh, profession that you have to grow into. I mean, you don't want to advance too quickly because you are legally in positions that can set the company up and yourself for failure if you're not careful. And I have seen over my career too many people get promoted too quickly and fail. And it is the one thing that will destroy you very quickly. And so with that said, in what ways do you think, you know, staff from different generations can, you know, better leverage their experiences to teach or even like kind of spot mentor each other? Um, you know, is there something to kind of, is there a way to sort of facilitate some, some learning and exchange of, you know, information? There absolutely is. The ability to focus on similarities between different coworkers and seeing who kind of pairs up. Um, a good manager can look at those similarities and, and maybe partner those people together on projects. Always keeping communication open. If you're more willing to that communication, then obviously it's easier to share that knowledge and pass things on. I think operations or the leadership in the different areas, not just HR, really do have to promote the mentorship aspect. And mentorship is huge. With the baby boomers leaving the workforce, we have such detailed knowledge that could really hurt companies because that's critical data that you don't have written down into um, operations manuals or things like that because there's tricks and tips to the trades that I think the older generations or maybe just individuals need to not be afraid that job security don't hold it all in and that the younger people coming in to really be open to to listening to them. It's not always the older workers dictating like, I know better, young, youngin. <laughs> that's, not how, that's, not, that's not always what they're trying to say. And I think we have to remember that communication, it's not about what you're saying, but how you're saying it and then how that person perceives it. So there's a lot of times that because we're coming in the workforce younger, we're thinking that the older people are dictating us and thinking that we're the children, which really isn't always the case. So we have to be open-minded and then the older generation needs to know that we're not coming in completely inexperienced and that yes, we want to learn from them, but we have things that have happened. We know things about media, about technology that can help transition um, that knowledge base. Do you think there's a way that we can kind of get past some of those stigmas or that people in the workforce can kind of get past some of these kind of stereotypes that you were describing earlier? I'd like to say there was one like trick, but there's not. It's one person being open to another person and then sharing that story, you know, working great with Al over there and he's phenomenal. I'm going to give Tim a try over here. If that relationship doesn't go well, well, maybe Al can talk to Tim and we can all hang out together and and, and try to bond over something. But it's the one-on-ones. It's knowing a person for who they are. I mean, I know HR worries about 
you know, don't don't get too friendly with people at work, but you need to be friendly enough to understand where they're coming from and their standpoints. And I think in today's world, remote work, all of the technology based, we sometimes forget that we're still human beings and we need that in interperson connection. I'm still one who likes to get up from my desk and go talk to someone else because I like to see you face to face and know that conversation took place instead of just being a quick email that can be misinterpreted. It's really, I think, going to come down to those one-on-ones. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So what I'm hearing is a lot of it is, you know, being open, you know, everyone from the all the varying generations that are, you know, currently present in our workforce and being open to having conversations and being open to having an experience that should result in maybe some shifts to your perception, you know, because I think we all sort of have our own biases that we come into the workplace with. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to say, you know, no, I absolutely don't have any, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we all, we all kind of do. And um, perhaps sort of getting to a point where you can sit with that and know that, you know, there's some learning and personal growth that needs to take place and, and being open to that. I think it, it's kind of a difficult thing sometimes initially to admit that you have to do that work. And so I guess from there, you know, how do you how do you kind of get people um, motivated to do that? Something that can be a little challenging, something that, you know, you have to stare at yourself in the mirror and accept some things that maybe you don't love so much. <laughs> now you're talking about like trying to boil the ocean or the the, <laughs> the, the comments we heard um, before. You can't make someone do something that they don't want to do. Very simply put, I myself have really tried to work on being more open and seeing where I come from so that I can understand other people. I am one person and not everyone has that mindset. I try to encourage from stories. Um, When you interact with different people and you have your own stories, stories hit people really significantly and kind of leave a more lingering impact than any other way. So if you can share your stories or or, um, share someone else's story, maybe you'll get through like 10% the first time and then, you know, they'll have their own and it just builds on top of itself. But it's, it's such a struggle because sometimes unless the person has their own moment, unless they have that one, that one moment that just kind of changes everything for them, some people will always be close minded and you have to learn to work with them too. And it's unfortunately just the way of life. But if... They can see the better reactions or interactions between those that are making progress or teams that are making progress. Hopefully that inspires. We have to communicate that. We have to share those stories, you know, maybe talk about them in podcasts or post them on newsletters, quarterly newsletters, like check out this team that's done something. Um, Celebrate the big wins and the people that have made the progress. Um, So, you know, retirement parties talk about how maybe that person participated in a membership or a mentorship program or gave a significant value to the company in some way. Everyone deserves that that respect of of the role that they're doing. And man, I just wish everyone could be open minded (laughs) and really want to talk to each other. But it's the worst part is, is it's it's a day to day thing. We have to consciously be in that mindset day to day when we go to work, because who's to say driving to work today Oh, that that old lady with the glasses, how dare she cut me off? Like, why are you even on the road? 
does that change my perspective when I walk into the workplace and the guy that's been here 23 years who's getting on my case about some new process again and why are we changing this stuff? Yeah, I'm probably going to be irritated with him because there's another person being not prepared for change or not prepared for to work together as a team that day. We literally have to be put ourselves in that mindset every day. It's like when you walk through the door at work, am I ready to interact and talk to people? And it's hard. I mean, I'm an introvert. (laughs) I may not seem like it right now, but I am an (laughs) introvert. I go home and I decompress. It's my space. I have to put myself in an extrovert mindset when I go to work because I'm dealing with people. I have to be there for people. And I view HR as customer service and making a difference for people that day. And that means inspiring them having them work together as a team sometimes that means the bad stuff telling them straight up you've done something wrong or but sometimes it means good stuff but sometimes it means good stuff yeah absolutely um but it's but it's not one thing to answer the question I mean if we could figure it out we'd have like world peace by now right (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's a little yeah a little outside of the the scope of our career compass uh (laughs) podcast um though I will credit us with uh you know being able to explore some really engaging conversations thanks Kayla um so as we wrap this up you know is there anything that you'd like us to take away from the conversation today absolutely I'd like everyone to remember that the generations really are stereotypes and we as individual perpetrate those or, or promote those with our unconscious biases and as long as we try to stay aware of our actions every day really and truly people just want to be valued for themselves and if you're looking for ways to communicate and interact and build those relationships taking things off the job site Um, learning about a person individually really can build the relationship that may have not been there and show you that these subconscious biases or these stereotypes really don't mean anything. Right. Well, Misha, I don't know about you, but that was a pretty insightful conversation. I think there were a lot of things that we can take away that from that. And I think there are a lot of things that every generation, you know, can kind of do to uh, work together and make better workplaces. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this, Kayla. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for this episode of Career Compass. Thanks for listening. Before we get out of here, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Also, be sure to check out Sherm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can find all of our episodes and more podcasts on our website at sherm.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Career Compass.